0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Loch Ness Monster was real, or if Ouija boards actually worked? On each episode of the family friendly Unspookable, we look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends to get the real stories behind the scares. Want to solve your next mystery? Find and follow Unspookable now wherever you get your podcasts. The Swing is the most famous work by Jean Henri Fregonard. It is one of the most recognizable works of the Rococo movement. While the artist and, frankly, the Rococo movement may not be household names, the painting is highly recognizable. It's even been referenced in pop culture like the Disney movie Frozen, when Anna jumps in front of the painting to mimic the look of the carefree girl on the swing. While it seems so lighthearted, especially in a Disney context, the story behind the piece is a little smarmy. I feel like who Art Ed tried spicy. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and for this week's Fun Fact Friday, we're going to be talking about The Swing by Fregenard. The painting is an example of the Rococo movement. Some people would classify it as just late Baroque. The Baroque era was known for being highly ornate and extremely dramatic. Rococo works maintain that sort of over-the-top drama, the theatrical nature, and they are extremely ornate and detailed, but they tended to embrace a bit more asymmetrical balance and a lot of curves and counter-curves. It seems to be a little bit lighter, a little bit more festive in the tone, and in some ways the movement reminds me of Art Nouveau. Now, in this painting, we see that asymmetrical balance. The main focal point is, of course, the woman on the swing. She seems to be joyously swinging and kicking off her shoe. She seems to not have a care in the world, despite the fact that there's some weirdo lurking in the bushes. Presumably, he would have been a gentleman caller interested in courting the young woman. Above him, we see a putty. Um, That's basically a cherub. Think a Cupid-type figure. It's a big naked baby with wings. So that putty statue is over the dude lurking in the bushes. The statue has his finger up over his mouth making a shushing motion. If you're thinking this all seems a little bit creepy and gross, you're right. And it gets worse. The Rococo movement was largely criticized for being frivolous, and this is a superb example of the toxic sort of hedonism that people were critical of. People often will criticize Marie Antoinette for being out of touch when she said, let them eat cake, upon hearing that people had no bread and they were starving. First off, there's little to no evidence that she actually said that. It's based on two things. First, being a joke about aristocrats being out of touch. And second, a declaration that if bakeries ran out of the cheap stuff and only had like the more expensive foods, they had to lower the price, making finer foods accessible so that poor people still had something they could afford to eat. In that context, the statement, let them eat cake, doesn't really seem so bad. This painting, though, seems like the ultimate example of the let them eat cake sentiment of the out of touch, self indulgent aristocrat. It was commissioned by Baron Louise Guillemot Ballet de Saint Julien. I'm sure I mispronounced every word of that, but he was a jerk, so I'm not going to feel so bad about it. He wanted a painting of his mistress. Not only that, he wanted a picture of himself looking up her skirt because he was shameless. The Baron first tried to hire a prominent historical painter, Gabriel Francois Doyen. But Doyen refused because it was, you know, disgusting and he had standards. A fragonard, though, he was a painter on his way up. He saw an opportunity to advance his career, so he took the commission and produced a piece that seems lighthearted and frivolous on first glance, but it's loaded with sleaze. The statues posed over the man in the bushes, looking up the skirt of the woman on the swing, and the cherub makes that shushing motion, as though to say this naughty diversion from expected decorum will be kept quiet. Indeed, in the 18th century when this was made, swinging just riding on a swing, was seen as a bit boundary-pushing because people's clothes would move in the breeze, giving others glimpses like the layers and layers of undergarment that were considered private. While the Baron is pictured as the man lurking in the bushes, because, of course, um, there's a lot more to this that makes it a strong painting and a strong composition. I do have to say, you know, for all of the sleazy undertones of it, the woman riding on the swing does seem to be sort of assertive, actively participating in what she is doing. She is kicking off the shoe. She seems happy and a participant riding on the swing and doing what she wants and living her best life. So I guess there is some implied consent and positivity in that. As I look beyond that, though, there is quite a bit more that makes this a successful composition. I think it's more than just a piece by a sleazy baron who wanted to make a monument to his indulgence with his mistress. As I look at the composition, as I said before, there's an asymmetrical balance that creates this strong sense of movement and action in it. I mean, she's mid-swing and the, the shoe is kicked off and captured mid-air. As I look at the tree, there's something about the movement of the branches. It reminds me of it like Chinese paintings. The organic, twisted branches have a calligraphic quality that feels distinctly Asian to me, which tracks historically as, like, in the 17th or 19th century, travel was limited, but new trade routes to China were being established, and European artists were quite enamored with the different style of artworks they were seeing. There's also a great contemporary art piece, The Swing, after Fragonard. It's created by Yinka Shonibare, who created an installation mimicking the pose, but with a headless mannequin on a swing hanging from the ceiling. She's wearing what appears to be elaborate 18th century style attire, but it's made with bright African print fabric. I think what's most interesting about this installation in the contemporary setting is that it gives us a chance to see this scene and experience the scene, walk into and walk around the scene. We can get it from all those different perspectives. And I think there's something about this being a headless mannequin that's on display in the contemporary reimagining of the piece. This piece is about the gut. It's about the feeling. It's not about the cerebral intentions of the woman or the count or anything like that. It's very indulgent, decadent, experiential. And I love that there is a new installation that reframes the old work, that helps people to see it in a new light and make new connections to it. I think there's also something really nice about the bright, African-style print being applied to this sort of 18th-century style of attire. It kind of reminds me of Ramir Bearden's work. I did an episode a while back about Bearden's work sort of reimagining the Odyssey, but with black figures so that people in other cultures can see themselves represented in these sort of ancient myths and legends, those archetypal characters. Because great art lives on through the ages and inspires other artists. And it allows more people to make connections, for more people to be seen, and to become a part of the story with every retelling. This week's fan fact came from uh, Kara Kara Kara. Sorry, if you are truly a listener, you know I'm not going to get a name right. Um, but it came to me from the website. Kara or Kara from New York shared an interesting little tidbit about Vincent Van Gogh. She said, a lot of people don't know this, but Vincent Van Gogh's self-portrait with the bandaged ear, he made that as a way of trying to show his sanity. And I know, like, any reference to the ear thing with Van Gogh seems like it would make him seem quite mad. I mean, he did need to be in the hospital for quite some time after that. But he made that painting of the bandaged ear as a way of showing that he was following doctor's orders and taking care of himself. Thank you, Kara or Kara for sharing that interesting insight into Van Gogh and a familiar image that I'm now seeing in a different way. If you have a fun fact you'd like to share, you can email me or you can fill out the form I put on the contact page of www.whoartedpodcast.com. And if you're looking to continue learning more about the arts, um, check out my other podcast. I just launched season two of Art Smart. Please do me a favor if you do like the show, give it a rating or review on your favorite podcast app to help others discover it.